Well, I'm going to ask you to uh, join me this morning over in the book of 1 John. Uh, we've come to the last chapter of 1 John, and we actually have this morning's message and two more messages from 1 John. And then just so you'll know where we are headed after that, we're going to continue to go on. We'll go into 2 John, 3 John, and then into the book of Jude. So I know many of you like to read ahead and be prepared, and so that's our plan for the upcoming uh, weeks. 1 John chapter 5. Now, I'm having the verses put up on the screen as well because we've removed all the Bibles from the the pews for now. Uh, But follow along, either with your own Bible, uh, on your electronic device, or on the screen. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Any lady who has had a baby in the last 50 years is probably familiar with a test that's called the APGAR test. It was introduced in 1952 by Virginia APGAR. It's a quick test that's performed on a baby at one and five minutes after birth. The one-minute score determines how well the baby tolerated the birthing process. The five-minute score tells you the health tells the healthcare provider how well the baby is doing outside the mother's womb. They're scored in five different areas. Their breathing effort, their heart rate, their muscle tone, their reflexes, and their skin color. And they're given either zero, one, or two points in each of those areas. And a score of seven, eight, or nine is determined to be normal and that the newborn is in good health. Well, the Apostle John, throughout this epistle, and in the passage we're considering together this morning, has given us a test to see how well we as believers are doing. How healthy are we? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If we look in verse 1, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So, of course, we become newborns. We are born again. We are born from above when we exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, earlier in this book, uh, John has given us eight different statements that would indicate how we are doing as believers. First of all, he told us that those who are born of God keep his commandments. That's over in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 to 6, he tells us that those who are born of God walk as Christ walked. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Over in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 9, we're told that those who are born of God don't hate others, but love them. It says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he informs us that those who are born of God don't love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In chapter 2, in verse 23, he informs us that those who are born of God confess the Son and receive, have him. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Over in verse 29 of chapter 2, he informs us that those who are born of God will practice righteousness. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. In 1 John chapter 3, in verses 9 and 10, we're informed that those who are born of God don't make a practice of sinning. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then over in chapter 3, verse 24, we're told this, those who are born of God possess the Spirit of God. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we may know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. Eight very clear statements that are given to us in the book of 1 John. Eight tests whereby we can look and say, okay, how are we doing as believers? How do we stack up on this spiritual health test? Now, John is going to to double back on He's going to, in the verses that we're considering this morning, he's going to talk about some of these themes again. 
So the first question, as each of us evaluate our spiritual health, is this. Do we believe? Do we believe? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now understand what's tied up in that. This is not just mentally us saying, I understand the truth. It goes beyond that. It's not just saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I believe that, that, that Jesus is the Son of God. Even the demons believe that. They know that. When we are talking about belief in the context of the Scriptures, we are talking about a decision of our will to commit to that truth. Now, there is an intellectual aspect of it. And John is saying, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus, right, first of all, by using the term Jesus, he's referring to the humanity of Jesus, that he was 100% human. See, one of the errors that John is writing against that was circulating in the early church was the error of saying that Jesus really wasn't a totally a man. Uh, they did not, they believed that the flesh in and of itself was evil, so they would say he couldn't have been human. But if the belief that saves is a belief that embraces that Jesus was a man. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, it also embraces the fact that he is God. The word for Christ is the word it means anointed one. When we find the word Christ in the New Testament, it is referring to the promised anointed one of the Old Testament, the one who was to come. Jesus is 100% human, but he is also 100% God. 100% human, 100% deity. He is the God-man. He is a human. He is God. And saving faith embraces both of those truths, and it goes beyond just knowing it intellectually, but it is a decision of our will to commit to him. And John says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So how are we doing? If you don't pass this test, then you're not a true Christian. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the very basis for us. God gives us his grace, and we respond in faith. So do we believe? The next question that John would point us to in determining how we are doing spiritually would be the question, do we love other Christians? Look at it at the end of verse 1. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born 
of him. If you love God, you're going to love his children. Have you, have you ever noticed, you know, perhaps you're, you're friends with someone, and if you're friends with them, they expect you, if you like them, to also like their children. Have you noticed what a rift it puts in a relationship? Imagine that someone comes to your home, and they bring their children, and they're there, and you say to them, I want you to know as a couple, I, I just love you guys to pieces, but I can't stand your kids. Okay, we get the picture, don't we? Same thing's true of God and his kids. Everyone who believes in Jesus who believes in the Christ, everyone that is born of him is a part of God's family. And God expects us. And one of the proofs that we are his children is that we love the other children in the family of God. And that's why we feel such a commitment and such a bond to believers all over the world. That's why we rejoice with our brothers and sisters when they're rejoicing. And that's why when they are suffering, when they are hurting, we want to do all that we can to help them out. And we have brothers and sisters all around the world. Uh, you know, this year our trip to Thailand was, was canceled where Pastor Bruce and I go over and, and teach the underground church planters. They are dealing with things beyond what we're dealing with even here now. They are dealing with an oppressive government that would want to stamp them entirely out. But they are faithful to him. We love our brothers in Christ there. That's why we, that's why we invest in them. We love our brothers and sisters all over the world. That's why we as a church invest in them. See, we cannot divorce our love for God from our love for his children. We must love all that have been truly born of God. If there is evidence that a person is a child of God through the new birth, he is my brother and I am to love him. And that's in spite of doctrinal differences. Now, I'm not talking about the major doctrines of the, the Scriptures, the cardinal doctrines that one must believe to be in the family of God, but there are all kinds of issues that we would call secondary issues that we disagree on. We should be able to love our brothers even when we disagree on those secondary things, and we need to demonstrate that love for them. So, how are we doing? Do we believe? Do we love other Christians? And then John is going to double back on another thing in verse 2 when he says, by this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. 
For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Right? Next point, next question. Do we obey God's commands? You know, I, I've said before, uh, I, I believe that the old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey, sums up our walk as Christians. Do we trust God and do we obey him? Do we obey his commands? And each of us need to ask the question of ourselves this morning, are we obeying the commands of God? Are there things that we know God would have us do because his word makes it clear that we should be doing these things that we're not doing? Now, I'm not calling here this morning, nor is the Apostle John calling for sinless perfection. None of us are 100% perfect. And we all have our areas that we struggle in. But the question is, what could it be said about our lives that generally, as we examine our lives, we are seeking to obey God? And does it bother us? Are we convicted when we do not obey God? See, this is a sign of our health. Are we obeying God? Now, John tells us, that obeying the commandments of God are not burdensome. You know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. You know, the Pharisees, those religious leaders that opposed Jesus... They put, Jesus told them, you put heavy burdens on the people. Jesus came and lifted those burdens. Now, why are these commandments not burdensome? First of all, they're not burdensome to us as Christians because we have a new nature that we can obey. See, in and of ourselves, we can't obey the commands of God. We don't have the power to carry that out. But because we have born, we've been born again, we became a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And actually, the tense in the Greek is old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. So, these commands are not burdensome because we have a nature that enables us to be able to obey. Number two, they're not burdensome because they've come from God. These are not man-made rules, regulations, commandments. Remember, when, when we talk about obeying God, we're talking about obeying his word not the commands that men may add to his word. Now, some of us have grown up in environments or experienced in environments that we would say they were very legalistic in what they said we could and we couldn't do. 
and the mark of how spiritual you were was based on how well you lined up with their particular list of what you could do or not do. You know, it was a list that included things like, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go to the movies, don't date girls who do those things. Uh, Just, it was all of these regulations. Don't dance. Uh, You know the list. If you're old enough around here, you know the list. That's how you were determined, whether you were spiritual or not spiritual. Well, some of those rules may be good in and of themselves, but those rules do not come directly from God. They may be a conviction that you choose to practice in your life, and that may be very good for you. But those aren't the commands we're talking about here. We're talking about the clear-cut commands from God's Word, not what men add on to those commands. And number three, they're not burdensome because they have been given to us And we have received them in the context of love. Remember how Jesus summed up all the commandments? You're to love God with what? Your whole being. And the second commandment, which is like the first, is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. In those two commandments, all of the law and prophets, it's all summed up. In that. So when these commandments are coming out of love for us by God, and when these commandments are obeyed through the expression of love for God and to others, it is not a burden. Matter of fact, it's a delight. It's a delight. Uh, the psalmist have written in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And then in Psalm 119, in Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible, it is all about the Word of God. And in that context, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 24, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. In verse 35, he says, Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. And then in verse 92, he says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. So you see, the commandments of God are a delight to us when we're walking in the Spirit. And they are not a burden for us. Well, John adds one other thing that he wants us to be aware of and that we need to examine ourselves by. Do we overcome the world? Look at it, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
So how are we doing in overcoming the world? Remember, we talked earlier about the world in this book. It is that whole system that's anti-God. And we overcome that through faith. And when we practice faith, we end up getting the victory. Now, that word for victory is an interesting uh, word. Uh, On the screen, you're going to see a symbol. Do you recognize what that's a symbol for? Huh? Do, Do you see? All right. Next slide. Nike. The word, that's the word that is used here. That's the root word that's used here. It means to be victorious. It means to overcome. And so when we exercise faith, because notice what John is saying here. He says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. So when you trust God, and that's faith, trusting God, you have the victory and you are overcoming the world. And who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See how he takes us all the way full circle back to the issue of belief. So let me ask you, As a follower of Jesus Christ today, and let me back up just a second, because there could be some here this morning that would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. I have never chosen to follow after him. And yet the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart today, saying that there is salvation in him and in him alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Those are the words of Jesus. The way for you to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So put your faith and trust in him this morning. And there's something that happens at the moment that we are saved. The Spirit of God comes to live inside us. We are given a new nature. We are a new creature And from that point moving forward on this earth, we're going to be involved in a struggle for there's this unseen battle that is going on between Satan and God. It's a battle that God's going to win, by the way. I've read the end of the story here. I know where Satan is ending up, so I know who the victory is, and I know that I'm playing on the winning team. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're a part of the winning team that is going to win, that is going to overcome. But then as believers, as we walk through this life, we have temptations, we have struggles, we have problems, but we can overcome by our faith by putting our trust in Jesus. And I know in these times that we're facing right now, there are those who are struggling, those who are struggling with fear, those who are struggling with anxiety, uh, those who are struggling with loneliness, but there is victory over all of that 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask again the question. How are we doing spiritually? May the Spirit of God examine each of our hearts in these areas. Do we believe? Do we love other Christians? Do we obey God's commands? And do we overcome the world? And as you score yourself in those areas, you'll find the result as to whether you are healthy, you are struggling, or you're not even alive because the life comes through faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you have given us commands that are not burdensome. We thank you that there is life through Jesus our Savior. And Father, I ask that you would help us as we walk through this coming week, that we would keep our eyes fixed upon you and upon your Son, that we would be guided by your Spirit, and that we would trust in you for anything and everything that comes into our path, and help us to live so that our Savior is glorified. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.